We started the book of Joel last week, and I want to come through this book, Lord willing, prophet of the Lord, unknown other than this book. It was not important, if you remember, making the point that the book is about Christ, and Joel was not important. No man is important. It's all about the glory of God. But the last chapter we talked about the wrath of God that was going to come upon those in the religious circle of the Jewish nation. And to bear this in mind and bring it forth again, just enough to review that Israel did not exist. The ten and a half tribes that had gone to the north and intermingled with the Assyrians and lost their identity and existed no more. And I always say this, because God, even though they were not, read Isaiah 49, even though they were not, God spoke of them as they were. That pointing to the existence of spiritual Israel today. We've got a nation over there in the Middle East that men, what, 40s, 1940s, I believe, created possibly out of a a zeal to God where the Jews could return and have a homeland. And the name of that nation is Israel. That is not the Israel of God. The physical nation of Israel is no more to God. It is not, they are not what is manifested as His people even though He has a people among them. The spiritual Israel of God is what we have today. It's where you are, where God has brought you in the election of grace being Gentiles into the kingdom of God. This is the Israel of God today. But God gave them a an understanding of why these things were going to come to pass, why His wrath would be upon them. Now we talked last week about the locusts and the, the afflictions on the land and the things that happened on the land or in history records. We relate all this in history to the Assyrians, although some people think it was the Chaldeans, and the conquering of the northern kingdoms. But understand what's being spoken of. This was not talking about losing corn and wheat, although history shows it was so. This was pointing to a spiritual drought. It was speaking of the service of the Lord being taken from the Jewish nation when Christ would fulfill the law to a jot and a tittle. And God's wrath upon those who said, let His blood be upon us and upon our children. The entire city of Jerusalem was laid to waste and destroyed and many of God's children carried into captivity. Now as we bring that up forward, the prophet was been speaking of how we need, how they needed to turn from their wicked ways and set their face toward God. This is about religion. This is about doctrine. This is about 
worshiping God. They had got to the point they corrupted the law, so they were justifying themselves by the law. And the purpose of the law is to show us the righteousness of God who cannot sin, and therefore upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God upon the cross dying for our sins, to teach us that we are depraved by nature. Now, He's calling for repentance. And if you do not think that God would have given repentance, we need to study the Scripture. A few come to mind if I can find them. You think about things all week, and when you get here, they seem to be gone from your mind. So instead of reading, I may just give you a verbatim. But we find, not verbatim, we find the place in Scripture where the Lord told them that upon them should come the blood of all the prophets. He was speaking to those in Judea. And He made a point to tell them of the things which belong to them in the day of their visitation. Remember when Moses went up upon the mountain and God was giving him the commandments on the two tables of stone that God would write with His own finger. And the Lord told Moses, go get thee down. For the people of sin, the great sin, and Moses came down. And they had sinned against God by making themselves pagan gods. Our God is a jealous God. He will not have anything in His place. He is worthy of all worship and honor and glory. And He will not have anything, no idol, stand in His place. God made a statement when He spoke to Moses, in the day of their visitation, so God had set a time when God would visit His people. And He said, in the day of their visitation, I will visit this sin upon them. Which brings us back to the Scripture when the Lord told them, if thou knewest the day of thy visitation, if thou knewest the things which belong unto thy peace. But they did not know. The city of Jerusalem was laid to waste, totally destroyed. That was taken away. John 1 says, He came into His own and His own received Him not. I told you last week the Jews represent the natural man in Scripture. The natural man cannot know God, cannot see God, cannot come to God, cannot receive Him as their personal spirit. You must be born of the Spirit of God. That's why it says in John 1, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. And then He tells us who they are. Those that were born of God. Life must precede action. Now I say all that to make the point that this was the day of their visitation. That Christ would visit their sin upon them. He sent prophets. He sent prophets. He sent prophets to teach them. Repent. This was your day of visitation. If we believe what the world teaches, that we can come to God and know God or love God, 
of our own natural being, self, and ability when we're in depravity and dead in sin, we're totally mistaken. This proves that fact. They rejected the very Son of God from their own people, born of the Virgin. But yet He sent prophets to preach to them. And I say that to make this point. Reading Scripture, if it were possible that these men could repent of their own and turn away from sin and death and the nature of man, if they could have repented, God would have forgiven them. This was the day of their visitation. This was set for a time of their peace. But they could not and they would not because they're representing the natural man. We begin chapter 2, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. The trumpet is the sound of assembly. He was telling them, sound an assembly. On the Lord's day of the Sabbath, under the law, on Saturday, yesterday, they were commanded of God to assemble. The trumpet would be blown. The sound of a assembly. That's what the word church means. Assembly. In my holy mountain, sound the assembly. In Mount Zion, in Jerusalem, in the church of the day. We sound an alarm today as we stand and hopefully by God's grace and purpose teach the doctrine of God. We don't do it on the Sabbath of the law that was fulfilled after Christ's resurrection, the Scripture says at the end of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is no more. We're on the Lord's day. We're on Sunday. We're on the first day of the week. We bring the best we have, which is nothing before God, but yet we bring it to God in worship. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh His hand. We made mention last week speaking of this, and we'll get through this wrath and gloom and doom upon the Jews and start talking about the church. But we must go through it. It's Scripture. It's part of it. And I'll say this again. God, all His ways are just. All His ways are judgment. When God works, when He judges, when He works in the world, it's two things. It's all for the glory of Christ. And it's all for the good, the deliverance of His people. That was taken away. We are in spiritual Israel are blessed because that was taken away. I'm not going to repeat last week. He says, For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Malachi chapter 4, the day of the Lord. That began with the coming, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. When John the Baptist came preaching repentance and the remission of sins. Now, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The day of the Lord cometh, a day of darkness and of gloominess upon those in the law of service, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the mountains spread, as the morning is spread upon the mountains. A day of darkness when they could not see, when the light of God that God had blessed to be in the law would be taken away 
And then he says, as the morning spread upon the mountains. The morning is light. He's not making a point of the light with the Jews. The morning is spread upon the mountains very gently, very suddenly. It is definite. It will be. It's not like flipping a switch and going from complete darkness to complete light. If you've ever been out in the daytime, in the morning when the time changes, for whatever purpose you're there, and you see the gradual incoming of the light. It just, you can't say it happened here or it happened there. It just comes in. It just happens. This, first of all, represents the light of God, which is Christ coming into the Gentiles and the New Testament church. But it also, with the day of darkness coming upon the Jews, represents how as the light appears, certainly it would be there. Certainly it would come. It could not be changed. It could not be stopped. Represents the enemy of the Jews Some say Assyrians, some say Chaldeans. Peter leads me to know that he's speaking of the Romans and the wrath of God upon that physical nation who had betrayed Him. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people. Here's the, the nation of fierce countenance. The darkness, according to Daniel 7 and 8, of the Roman Empire, the great beast. There hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. I'm not going to turn, but you can find in Matthew 24, I believe, where the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said, There had never been a day, speaking of the destruction and wrath and judgment of God in this world of time, that would be as great and terrible and destructive as that day that's called the day of the Lord, when the wrath of God will be poured upon those in the Jewish worship service. Don't have to recall history. We talked about it last week. The destruction of the city and eventually the suicide of those that were left to keep from falling into the hands of the Roman army there upon Masada. <clears throat> These people were the Romans and he said there would not ever be another day that terrible again. Think about that. Think about what people tell you is coming, a day of wrath and tribulation. Brethren, a child of God is in wrath and tribulation of the world every moment they take breath and even before in their mother's womb. We're slaughtered, we're killed, mutilated, butchered, hated, looked down upon, reviled. That's because you're a child of the King and they know their day is coming. So, take... Pleasure 
in the knowledge that the greatest affliction or punishment, the greatest judgment, there's the best word, upon God's children in this world or those called by the name of God in this world was there in the day of Matthew 24, Daniel and others, this book teaching us of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. You remember Matthew 24, they were asking the Lord Jesus Christ about the destruction of the temple. He said, destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. That's what they came after Him for as an excuse to crucify Him. But He was speaking of the temple of His body. Remember, He told them, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, there's the Romans. When you see the abomination that maketh desolate, that's when they raised the pagan altar, pagan idol, in the temple of God. Then know thereof that the end is near and the desolation thereof is nigh. It would all be laid to the ground. Matthew 24 is all about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the kingdom which is here today, which is the church of the living God. Do not let someone deceive you into believing these things are coming when the very Bible itself with all the law and all the prophets and the New Testament teach us this has been done. It was imperative that the law be fulfilled to a jot and a tittle. Christ paid our sin debt. We now stand in the church of Christ, the church of grace. Regarding these people, there hath not been ever been ever the light, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Speaking of God's wrath upon those people. A fire, and remember, that was deliverance from the ungodly among the nation of Israel, and that was deliverance from the law. and Galatians 4.4 Deliverance from the law bringing us into grace. A fire, speaking of the Romans, devoured before them. They are conquering. They are destroying. And behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them. It was rich. It was plentiful. It was not Eden. God shut that off. The Holy Spirit is comparing it to the, to the great things which they had and enjoyed. Just like in Egypt, we had garlic, leeks, and onions there. They had plenty to eat. They had plenty. It's not talking about natural things. It's talking about the worship of God. The land is the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing, nothing, shall escape them. Like the morning light, it is sure, it is coming, and it will be. He's teaching this to God's people who were there in Judah to convince them in some minds, I rather believe it's to clarify the judgment of God upon a wicked people, many of whom were not God's children, of the wrath and judgment of God coming in the establishment of the righteousness of God in this world in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He said the appearance of them is the appearance of horses. We're talking about locusts. A locust's head looks like a horse. You remember that from Revelation. And as horsemen, so shall they run. They're fleet. A horse runs into battle. 
Remember this in Revelation. Glaring eyes, nostrils, blowing, sucking breath as he comes in to battle. This is how this army would be. This is the Roman army. Let the noise of chariots and the tops of the mountains of the elite. Let the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. This is the Roman army. Before their face, the people shall be much pained. Such sorrow and misery and destruction. If you don't study history, at least go back and study the last days of Jerusalem. Study the destruction of the temple, the the raising up of the pagan altar in the temple of God. How God's people in their own misery turned against each other, murdering and killing each other. Does that sound like our nation today? Under judgment. Study about how the Romans put up ladders and climbed over walls and built the great mounds of dirt so they could ascend up at the mountain of Massad. And how the Jews, or what was left of them there, made pacts and committed suicide to keep from falling into the hands of the Roman army, that was a great terror of heart. Before the face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness, doom, sorrow, dread, fear, anxiety. They shall run like mighty men, the army. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march everyone on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. They're going straight forward. They're not going to be stopped. Nothing will stop what they came to do. God is going to use them just as He did in the days of the Mohammedans to destroy. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in His path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. He's saying they will not fail. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. There's no place that would be safe from them. We read the book of Obadiah and we read about the destruction of Edom. Herod was an Edomite. God said, Jacob have I loved, yet Esau have I hated. Esau is Edom. That represents the enemies of God. It represents the natural man as he is in his own flesh and blood and existence. God would destroy them, whether you want to take that as temporal, past tense, to be in this world, or in the day of judgment. It will fit all three. Because God delivers His people. God destroys the wicked. Period. He loves His people. He loves Jacob, Israel. But He hates Esau. One day we'll stop and talk about Jacob. And we'll talk about Israel. We'll talk about Jacob being a deceiver, supplanter by nature, and Israel being a prince with God that wrestles with God against this flesh daily. God loves His people. He delivers His people. They are going to come forth. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. Watch this. The sun and the moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. You remember in Revelation about chapter 6 and 7, we began seeing the sun shall be darkened. That's the glory of God taken from 
the law, service, and that kingdom, and those people, the light of the sun, capital S, of righteousness, what was there was taken away. What was there dare not compare with what's in the kingdom today in the New Testament church where the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us, but yet God was with them as long as His purpose was there. The sun and moon shall be dark. The sun gets no light of herself. She gets it from the... I mean, the moon has no illumination. It gets it from the sun. Christ was taken away. The moon should be dark. The stars shall withdraw their shining. Many theologians in history have studied this to talk about the doom and the gloom on the city of Jerusalem, on the Jewish nation. Some even believe it of the Israelite kingdom which did not even exist at this time. But if you put all that together, it still points the same thing. The fulfillment of the law, the law being done away with, rolled up as a scroll. From the law of service, Daniel said, the stars from heaven would fall. That means the Levitical priesthood. Many of them would fall. And the Lord shall utter His voice before His army, for His camp is very great, for He is strong that executeth His word, for the day of the Lord is great. It's great to us and very terrible. Saying it is terrible, what He means is in awe. It's awesome. It's so great in His judgment. It, it, it's scary. It's afraid. We shake and tremble in reverence to the very God of heaven. And who can abide it? I'll tell you who can abide it. The elect of God. Because God delivers them. Now, Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Turn to the Lord in sorrow. Instead of sorrowing for what was going to happen to Jerusalem, they rebelled against Christ. We need... They could not sorrow... They did not know Christ. Remember, many of them were blinded. Many of them did not belong to God to start with. We do see He brought a remnant out, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's why He told His people, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, to flee. Flee the city. Go into the mountains. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Repent and seek God. Sinners repent. Many do not know they're sinners. Many of that day did not know they were sinners. You know you're a sinner because God has revealed Himself to you and you love God because He first loved you. You've seen your sin. You know you're a sinner. And God commands us this day to repent. I mean, without my history and my employment, let's say this. Without that, that doesn't matter. Let's just say a biblical point. Government will not save this nation. Government has no business in and will not save this church. This kingdom is not of this world. The only thing 
other than the grace of God, the only thing we can do is repent and pray to God for mercy and above all things that His will be done. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. It was tradition. They would rend their garments and grief and sorrow. God says, rend your heart. Well, I'm going to tell you this, a man cannot rend his heart. The heart, the step, the, the, the way of a man, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. The heart is a desperately wicked thing. If we rend it, it's because godly sorrow has led us to repentance. Per adventure, we should repent and rend your heart and not your garments and turn, Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of a great kindness and repenteth Him of this evil. They were to pray that God would turn from that. <clears throat> but they did not. And they could not. And He did not. But He worked His deliverance in Christ in spite of of sin. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering? You see, this is not about the wine and the bread and the meat. This is about an offering, a meat offering, a drink offering, a bread offering. This is about worshiping God in heaven. There's no way to do that except in Christ. There's no way to do that except by leadership and guidance of God through the Holy Spirit. What they had was finished by Christ. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Set aside a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Call the people together. This says sanctify a fast. Traditionally, by law, most times that was a fast from food. But there are more important ways to fast as in fasting from the world and the things of the world and coming out from the people of the world and the worship of the world and the way they worship and the doctrines they teach. He says, Blow ye the trumpet, Zion, sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. They were to blow the sound of assembly, assembly and gather the people. We can not make children of God. Jacob told Rachel when she wanted a child, Am I in God's stead? Jacob could not furnish, make, create a son any more than we can furnish, make, or create a child of God. Christ teaches us to make disciples of born-again children of God. But again, life must precede action. You had no choice in being born of your parents. You have no choice in being born of God. Gather the people. God gathers the people. We are to preach the Gospel. The ministers to preach the Scripture. You've heard people say, well, that old man that died preached his own funeral. How did he do that? By walking with God daily, manifesting the goodness of God to those that saw Him. We are to preach the Gospel that God's people hear and see. And those that God has quickened and those that God calls will come into the church 
Come into the assembly and worship God who is worthy. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom, here's Christ, go forth out of His chamber. And the bride, here's the church, out of her closet. You see, He's pointing here to the day of Christ. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare Thy people, O Lord, and give not Thine heritage the reproach. We pray this daily. Every single day praying for God to bless the church, for God to bless the ministry, for God to bless His people. And my last prayer along those lines every night is, Lord, bless Ebenezer Church. Revive us, please, and bless those that are there. We pray for the kingdom. That's the first thing we're told to pray for. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. God above all, holy and separate. And then he says, Thy kingdom come. That's the first thing we're told to pray for. The kingdom of God. Let not the heathen rule over thy people. He said, Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? And that's what they do. Where's your God? You see it on TV. Where's your God? People dying. Where's your God? This disease runs rampant. Where's your God? People dying. Not knowing or understanding the Lord Himself. Verse 18, Then will the Lord be jealous for His land and pity His people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto His people, Behold, I will send you corn, bread from heaven, and wine, and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive them into land barren and desolate. Speaking of the Romans, physically. <coughs> Speaking of our spiritual enemies this day. Moses told the children of Israel, the Lord fighteth for you. And he said in another place, If a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. This can pertain to this day and age. With his face toward the east sea, the salt sea, and his hinder part toward the utmost sea, and his stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up because he had done these great things. All the locusts in the water, thousands, millions, the stink, the smell would come up from this dead army of our enemy. We start to get pretty, very pretty. Fear not, O land. This is the kingdom. Be glad. <laughs> Be glad and rejoice. Rejoice in Christ. Rejoice that Christ hath defeated Satan, sin, death, hell. All our enemies in this land rejoice. Well, it doesn't look like they're defeated. I don't care what it looks like. All God's ways are just and all God's ways are judgment. We do not deserve of our own accord anything but wrath from God. Yet God works His way in heaven and earth. He raises up kings. He setteth down kings. He never leaves a child of God from the time they're conceived until the time they leave this world and are carried up into heaven in immortal glory and preserves their body in the world and the ground are burned up or wherever until the day of the resurrection when it's joined back with spirit, body, and soul and was the hymn in heaven above. God does not forsake His people. 
Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth their fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Fruitfulness in God. The fig tree representing prosperity in the kingdom. The beast of the earth in the field with the green grass and the things they have. Things that are necessary for us to have. The beast of the earth. Representing how God blesses us spiritually first and foremost and also temporally in this world. The tree beareth her fruit. It does daily. The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. And they do daily. Be glad then, ye children of God. Ye children of Zion. There's a place in Scripture, I don't even know where it's at, but I remember, be ye thankful. I walk around murmuring, complaining all the time. I don't even watch the news anymore because all the sin and death and evil in this world, it enrages the natural man within me. I need to bear that in mind. Be ye thankful. The whole creation is held together by God. God's people are in His hand. They will be with Him. He will carry them. He will deliver them. And everything that He does in this world is just and judgment and right. Be ye thankful. Be glad. I don't have to understand it. By faith, I know it's so. We come here and we talk about the Bible and things that the natural man would not know nor understand nor how they make a, a fool of us for teaching this, a fool of us for saying this. That's no different from the, from the Jew and the Greek. It's foolishness to them. But to us it's precious. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain. Growth, prosperity, rain makes it grow moderately. And it doesn't compare to the rain we have today, the rain that was then. And He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain, in the first month, the Spirit of God poured upon His people, quickening His people, teaching His people, remembering, uh, bringing into remembrance the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, our hope, our salvation, our all. And the floor should be full of wheat and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. All this they've destroyed. Now let's look at it as a temporal, worldly, physical thing. All the fields of locusts have eaten, the four types of locusts. Who could they be? Greeks, Medes, Persians, Romans. I restore all that. And He has restored it tenfold over again in the new kingdom. The new church. The church of grace. The canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. You notice He sent them. Let that point sink in. He destroyed the wicked in the kingdom. And you shall eat in plenty. There's manna from above. And be satisfied. There's the doctrine of Christ who came to save sinners. 
and praise the name of the Lord your God. Who do we praise? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who is He? The everlasting Father. God manifest in the flesh. We praise Him because He bore the likeness of sinful flesh and died upon Calvary's cross to save us from our sins and raised up for our justification. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And watch this. And my people, my people, okay, shall never be ashamed. When they're pointing at you, it's your fault we can't live like this and do these ungodly things. When they're hating you, when they're telling you you're a fool for believing that the world is not 20 billion years old, but around 8,000, I'd prove that by Scripture. When they tell you these things and they ridicule you, when the Scientologist looks at you and declares what a fool you are by the foolish knowledge of men in the world, you'll not be ashamed because you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. And ye shall know that I, Christ, am in the midst of Israel. There's the word Israel. They haven't existed in some time, yet there is God speaking of Israel as it is now, that it is still there. They were not there. They were never there again until the New Testament when the spiritual Israel of God was manifested in Jesus Christ, that God had an elect, Ephesians 3, from before the foundation of the world, from among the Gentiles. My people shall never be ashamed. Now, spend a few minutes on this. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass afterward, Afterward, this is the work of Christ after His death, burial, and resurrection. Let's make a point to rightly divide the word of truth. From the time Adam sinned and sin entered the world in death by sin, there was no way to draw nigh to God, to know God, to serve God, to love God. Man was driven from the presence of God. The only way there has ever been to know God, I don't care if you're a child in the womb, I don't care if you're a baby that dies eating a hot dog, and I know this happened, and sucked a weenie down your throat and choked to death, I don't care if you're an old man dying in a rocking chair or a bed in a hospital. I don't care if you're who or where. There is no way to have salvation which is the knowledge of Christ. Therefore, there is no way to know God except being born of the Spirit. Period. Period. And again, you don't have the choice of being born. Okay. Verse 28, and it shall, this is a definite, come to pass afterward, the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
It shall, it did. We, they preached of it coming. We preached of it finished. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour upon my pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That does not say that God poured His Spirit out upon every living creature. That does not say that God poured His Spirit out upon all the descendants of Adam. What that is saying is just as Christ said, go ye into the world and preach the Gospel to every creature, we are to go to the elect of God among the Gentiles. In Matthew, He said the Lord would send His angels, His ministers to the four corners of the earth and gather together His elect from the four corners of the earth. That is talking about the preaching of the Gospel among the Gentile nations no longer confined to Judah or Israel but to God's elect among the Gentiles whom God gave life, whom God calls, there's no other way to get there, by grace and His presence. He says, I pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. If they are God's children and they know God, they're already born of God. Several times in the book of Acts, we find where they would be asked, people that love God, People that sought after God. People that loved the Lord Jesus Christ. If they sought after God, if they loved God, they're already born of the Spirit. They're already changed spiritually. This pouring out of the Spirit is the manifesting, manif- manifest- manifestation of the Spirit of God in a time of works and miracles and faith, Mark tells us that in the last chapter of Mark, they'd be bitten of snakes and not die. Paul's bitten by a vapor, she'll get, uh, viper, she'll get off in the fire. Poison wouldn't hurt them. They had powers from the Spirit of God. They had it. We don't. It died with them. That was a time when the New Testament was being written. It was a time that God manifested His power in Christ to the world. They'd raise the dead. They'd heal the sick. All the things that God gave them as power during the days of the apostles. And if you read the Scripture, all of those cease to be by the time the apostles died. Because the New Testament Scripture was written. This is the household of faith. I do not have to see the Ark of the Covenant to know God. I do not have to see the Ark of the Covenant to believe that there was one and what it represents the Lord Jesus Christ. We see by faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We're the household of faith, the house of prayer. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Alright, I've heard people tell me women need to be preaching because this right here says it. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Read the book of Acts. There was there were several sisters that were in churches and several that prophesied. But what does the Bible say? 
Paul does not say if a man desires the office of bishop to rebut somebody else. Paul says it because in the New Testament church, that is what God ordained. That's not setting one above another. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's not mother, daughter, Holy Spiritress. He's a male figure. That's the way God made it. There's reasons for that. We get into sometime. But he's not denying anything else. In that day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. In that day, in the day of the special manifestation of the Spirit. When Paul walks up to man and says, Have you received the Holy Ghost? And the man loves God. There's no way to know God except being born of the Spirit. It's manifest that he belongs to God. That's evidence because he loves God. What was he talking about? Have you received the Holy Ghost? The special anointing of the Spirit in that day and age to glorify Christ. When the New Testament was being written, And it shall come to pass after that I'll pour out My Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids will I pour out. In those days, catch that, will I pour out My Spirit. We don't have the manifestation of the Spirit like that today. We cannot raise the dead. We cannot heal the sick. Well, now wait a minute. James said, rub your head with oil and pray. Yes, yes, yes. That's a prayer. That's a comfort. I can't hear, heal someone of cancer. I can't heal someone of COVID. Neither can you or anybody else. Only God has that power. We don't have these powers today is what I'm trying to bring forth. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Wonders. Let's go back to Matthew 24, talking about the tribulations, the afflictions. Let me read that to you. I believe it's 24 about 19. I'll confirm that in just a moment. Matthew 24. 29, okay, 29, not 19. He's talked about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem up to this point. He said in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, after the city... Shall the sun be darkened? The glory of God taken from law of service. The moon shall not give her light. The church had no light. The law of service, it was gone. And the stars, the Levitical priesthood, should fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. There was a change. There was an earthquake. God worked. And then, this confuses people. Let's get it right. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. This is not talking about Christ appearing in the sky in the last day. This is talking about the sign of the Son of Man, the Son of Man in your heart by faith. When God gives you revelation of Jesus Christ, you want proof of that? Let's go. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, not just of Israel, but among the elect of God and the Gentiles. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Zechariah 12.10 I will pour upon the uh, 
the house of Judah and the inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, that's the spirit of God, they shall look upon Me, who is that Jesus Christ, whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn as one that mourneth for his only son. That is when God gives you life and reveals Christ to you. And then he goes to the preaching of the gospel I've already mentioned. He shall send his angels with the sound of a great trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where am I? The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. All the law service, the ministry and all that was entailed was completed because God fulfilled the law to a jot and a tittle through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you there's not coming a day. Matthew 25, 31 when the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, shall appear in His glory, He shall separate the sheep from the goats. That's heaven and immortal glory. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. What does that mean? It's just what it said. Just what it said. Whosoever. Romans 10. Whosoever. First of all, this is not speaking of eternal life because eternal life came from God in the work of Christ. It's a gift bestowed upon us. We have absolutely nothing to do with it. It's all the work of God and the eternal work, the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have very little to do with temporal salvation. Very little. But we do have a work and we need to study that. Whosoever. God is no longer focused on Judah. It's no longer focused on Israel or the lost sheep. All the elect of God. What does that mean? Everyone that God loved, everyone that God chose, everyone that God gave to the Son, everyone that Christ saved, Matthew 1.21, all of God's people, whether Jewish, whether Gentile, Chinese, uh, let's say it this way, Shem, Ham, or Japheth, the sons of Noah, no matter where they came from, what their characteristics of the natural man is, what they've done, who they are, does not matter. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Because whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord is among the elect of God and they're born of the Spirit of God or they would not call upon the Lord. Okay? Divide the word of truth. Rightly divide the word of truth. And it shall come to pass, this is this day in which we live, that whosoever shall call upon on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Delivered from what? Delivered from hypocrisy, lies, all that was entailed in the, or is entailed in the doctrines of men, whether it's Jew or Gentile. 
delivered from what we're calling upon the Lord for. Save our nation. Save our family. Save our church. Give me repentance. Help me, Lord. I am a sinner. You'll be delivered. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. For in Mount Zion, there's the church, the Mount Zion where the Lamb of God stands, Revelation 14, and in Jerusalem, there's the holy city, New Jerusalem, there's the city of David, shall be deliverance. All the elect of God and those in the church, the assembly. Whether it's the eternal church or whether it's the militant church in the world shall be delivered. I have prayed to God since the time He struck me down and, and, and called me and, and, and I cried and wept and tried to hide and I've cried unto God since that time. Lord, give me truth to preach to Thy people. This is a serious business. And I hope that I'm delivered to do that. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said. Now catch this. And in the remnant, that's the church, whom the Lord shall call. I'll give you the words of Paul, 1 Corinthians. For ye see your calling, brethren. God calls His people. There's no other way to know Him.